This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have y'all hanging out with us here as we are hopefully going to have a little bit calmer, I guess, news day today. Maybe. I don't know. How much bigger can it get than Freddie Freeman leaving and Matt Ryan headed to the Colts? Well, you know, I I don't, it it probably can't get bigger than that, but the word, like, you started with calm, and I don't know. Like, this, for the past really three or four weeks, every day you've assumed it was going to be kind of calm. Huge things happen in, in whatever sport, you know, whether it be baseball or or football with free agency really, really hitting in, in a big way and trades and all that. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully it's going to be calm, but by the end of the hour, we might have more crazy breaking news. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I certainly hope not because there's a lot of important <laughs> right? things that I want to talk about. To talk about yeah. uh, you guys were arguing about something earlier that I don't think should be an argument. We'll talk about that here uh, in a little while. But, PJ, we have something important here that I think we need to get to. Okay. All right. So every year, uh, the Masters allows past champions to come back and play. Basically, if you win the Masters until the day you die, you are invited to come back and play in the Masters. Right. Why are you staring at me? I'm... I'm Oh, okay, you're fixing something on the computer? Well, right. I was yeah, trying yeah. to ask you. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, trying, yeah. To make, trying to make sure something. Okay, I'm, yeah. with I'm with you. I'm with okay. you. Okay, all right. PJ's giving me that, like, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm going to say something else with my eyes look. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and I'm I, not good at that. That's, uh, this is why I didn't want to stop the whole show to, to do it. Carry but, on. I mean, it, I know it's very difficult to host and fix something at the same cool. time. So it's well, like... that's why I'm glad I had But I didn't want to just start clicking buttons without you. Sure. Because like, last time that happened... Everything it, fell apart. Well, like, what you were doing was intentional... And then I clicked it, and you were like, dude, why'd you click that? So, yeah, my bad. Anyway, <laughs> back to the Masters. So if you win the Masters, you are invited back until the day you die to play in the Masters. Right. And now you have some guys like Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player who have are past Masters champions. Clearly, those fellas with those hips and those knees aren't <laughs> trekking up and down 18 for four days, right? Yep. So they do the, yep. the ceremonial tee shot, and then they're like, all right, back to the butler's cabin. We're going to eat some pimento cheese, and drink some $1 beers, right? So they put out a list of past champions not playing. So I'm going to go through this list. The news of the day, uh, Phil Mickelson has announced that he is not playing in the Masters, kind of following the controversy around his Saudi Arabian comments. So let's just go through the list, and I'm going to talk about past champions not playing. Uh, Tommy Aaron, Charles Cootie, Raymond Floyd, Jack Nicklaus, Craig Stadler, Fuzzy Zoller, Jack Burke Jr., Ben Crenshaw, Trevor Immelman, uh, who's going to be on the CBS call, Mark O'Mara, Tom Watson, Angel Cabrera, Nick Faldo, who's going to be on the call as well, Phil Mickelson, Gary Player, and Ian Woosman. Did you notice anything about that list? Uh, there's no Tiger Woods there's on no there. There's no Tiger Woods on that list, PJ. Yeah. So that could you say, uh, rather exciting, potentially, Tiger's on the prowl? I mean... I think that kind of confirms it. Like halfway hasn't been a huge announcement yet, but I mean that's 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 a pretty big announcement. Unless they somehow forgot, you know, one of the greatest golfers sure, of all yeah, time. Okay, they forgot. Yeah, they forgot. So it was a typo. We just we hadn't got his his email they back. They forgot yet, Tiger so. Woods, but they sure as hell got Fuzzy Zoller on there. Exactly, they made sure of it. Um, no, that's incredible. I think he is on the preliminary prowl. Without a doubt. Preliminary prowl. Yeah. Is that your new preliminary think, prowl podcast? I think so. I think so. 
No, I that who knows what that podcast would be about. I don't want to have a podcast so named that. But no, that being said, <clears throat> should I be excited? Or is this just Tiger hasn't announced anything yet. He wants to get the eyes on the tournament as much as possible, and then a day before the tournament, he'll be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not playing. Because it is one of the uh, hilliest, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's so hard to see on TV just because of the camera angles. But if you have ever been to Augusta in person, it's maybe the hilliest. I don't know if that's a word. Hilliest? It can be for today. Sure, thank yeah. you. Most hilly area. That sounds like it would be better, but who cares? And when I say that, obviously there's like <laughs> there are some golf courses where they have like mountains and stuff like that. And there's the one in South Africa where like you're hitting off the top of a mountain onto a part three that looks like the continent of Africa, right? Like there's all kinds of different stuff. But I'm just talking about like changes in elevation, up and down, walking. Augusta National is different. Yeah. Like there's dudes who'll be standing on the side of the green and they they can't see the green. Right. Kind of having to jump up and look over it. So it's it's not a very easy course to just kind of navigate as a patron. Can't imagine what it's like to play 72 holes of golf. It's exhausting. And Tiger yeah. still recovering. Don't really know how much he's played, if at all, uh, while he's been recovering. Right. But, man, if he just dusts off the club to Augusta, I don't care if he shoots 20 over. Yeah. No, as, as days, long as he's there. Getting to watch him yeah. back. Ugh. Understand me. You never know with him. He might go out there and win the whole dang thing. Maybe. I mean, I'm not going to say no. Yeah, exactly. You I'm should. never going to be that guy. Then again, like with with you referencing that, I mean, would it would it be like the Masters to to put out a list like that without hearing from Tiger? Like, I feel like if if you have a message out to Tiger and he just hasn't responded yet, you kind of hold off on that list until you know one way or the other. Uh that's fair. Because that's a pretty huge name. Like, you know people are going to read into it. You know people aren't going to see him on the list, and they're going to freak out. So I feel like if there's there's any chance that he's not going to play, you you don't put out that list until you know one way wanna, or the other. I didn't want to hit a quick uh, stat of the day here. This is from the No Laying Up stat podcast. Stat of the day? That's right. That's right. This is, from the no, this is from the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, Tiger Woods at age 23, 10 wins, one major. Jordan Spieth at age 23, nine wins, two majors. Tiger Woods at 28, 40 wins, eight majors. <laughs> Jordan Spieth at 28, 12 wins, three majors. Yeah, so, so that, slow that, down. From 23 to 28 is just when Tiger Woods Annihilated exploded everything. into yeah. what he has become as just a, an icon. I thought that was pretty awesome comparison. I mean, Jordan Spieth yeah. had... Kind of like a Hall of Fame career already. He's got three major wins. That's the funny thing. With it's five less the, it's, than what Tiger Woods had. It's like when you compare people to, to Michael Jordan, right? And not only his... In his, that time span, just to be clear. Right. His, so. his finals wins, but also just how the rest of the NBA viewed him, not only during that time, but also after. Um, you know, I, th- I was listening to someone talk about they had that... NBA 75 kind of, you know, event and whatnot. And when all the other players that were playing with Michael around that time, when he walked into the room or when he was 
you know, walking past him or whatever, they like still revered him. Yeah. As just holy crap, that's like not holy crap, that's Michael Jordan, but like you know. Well, yeah, you right? saw that. So, you saw that when Tiger won, where you have guys like Bubba Watson who had won before, and Brooks Kepka who he beat, yeah. just being like, oh, "This is so cool." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what how I view it in my mind. Like, like you said, when he has that type of explosion, and not only that, but the comparisons, right? To to put that up against each other, you hear that and you're like, man, George Jordan Spieth, over the last you know four or five years in between that that gap, like man, he, I mean, he's he's kind of struggled a little bit. Only one major win, blah, blah, but like you said, no, that's that's normal. Like yeah. that's above average. That's incredible. Tiger Woods was just that insane. Uh, but when you compare was, the two, was yeah, yeah. But when you during that time span, well, when you compare the two, you're like, oh man, Jordan Spieth kind of struggled. No, no, Tiger was just that crazy. Yeah, twelve wins by the time you're 28 is pretty damn good, and yeah. three major wins is exceptional. Right. It's just one dude's a little bit different. So yeah. again, Augusta puts out the past champions not playing. Tiger Woods not amongst those on the list. Uh, Georgia Southern kicking off. Spring football today. We're going to come back here in a little bit and talk about that. Talk about some of the key storylines. Is this is the biggest culture shock I think Georgia Southern fans have ever been in for. I know like Tyson Summers and some of these other guys, Chris Hatcher, coming in inside these offenses. Right? It's it's been different. Right? Georgia Southern hasn't always been under center triple option football. Right? But then you go back to the Chad Lunsford style and it's pistol triple option. This is different. What's about to happen at Georgia Southern? You're about to go from running the football 80% of the time, and then when you throw it, it, it kind of looks clunky. To It might look a little bit clunky when you try to run the football. It's it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think it's going to be highly entertaining, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be a culture shock. So we're going to talk about some of the stats uh, from Brian Ellis's former offenses, and then who could the quarterback be? One notable name uh, no longer with the team there for the Eagles. So a lot of that to dive into more reaction uh, to Matt Ryan. He has a press conference coming up at three o'clock in Indianapolis. He just got off the private jet. There kind of looks like the person who is happy after getting out of a pretty bad relationship. I hate hate to say it, but he just kind of looks relieved and excited (laughs) about the future. And so we'll, uh, we'll take a look at that. And then of course on three and out, get some reactions to that Matt Ryan press conference. But again, so Georgia Southern football talk. When we come back. This is second down on ESPN Radio. Georgia Southern kicking off spring practice today. First spring practice for first-year head coach Clay Helton coming over from USC. And uh, PJ, listen, I know you're a big fan of running the football over the place. Sure, yeah, that's great. I know you're a big fan of just li- at third and nine, run it. Oh, of course, especially on fourth and five. Yeah, Penn State football, baby. Nothing yeah. like a draw play when you need to throw it. Yeah, yeah, fourth and five is the best. So I know, I know you're a fan of that. Mm-hmm. And so obviously a fan of the way Georgia Southerns played football for a long time. Now, I, now I'd agree with that. The other yeah. ones were sarcastic, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and so yeah. it's I don't know that any team outside of like the service academies identifies more with a style of offense. Than Georgia Southern would that be fair to say in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. Because the the only other one that really comes to mind, especially with option play, and I think a lot of people would be Georgia Tech, but that was mainly just Paul Johnson, right? I Who mean, you look at previously coached at 
Yeah, maybe. No. Oh, and George is something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yes, but not the point I was trying to get Don't worry, to. don't worry about it. Just, yeah, uh, yeah it's fine. But, oh, yeah, exactly. So, like, I think a lot of people our age would probably think of that, but you look at before and after his tenures, Georgia Tech went away from those, went away from that. So, uh, no, I, I, I completely agree, especially, you know, with that specific type of offense. You think option football, to me, you think service academies in Georgia Southern. Yeah, and so yeah. I and I think there's other teams that maybe you can say like specific plays. Like I know Georgia was known for a long time just for the toss sweep. That's just part of their core identity. Yeah. One of the teams that stuck with it for the longest time. But it, this is going to be, I think, a little bit of a culture shock for a lot of Georgia Southern fans. And I'm trying to put some relevance to that, right? Because it's easy to just come out here and say that. Georgia Southern fans are like, listen, we know we're going to throw the football more. I'm like, I, I want you to understand in the history of your school, how much you have not thrown the football (laughs) compared to what you're about to see. Now, to be fair, Brian Ellis is your new offensive coordinator. Comes over from Western Kentucky, uh, has a great track record of helping quarterbacks and offenses go, Mm -hmm. right? But he is coming into this into Clay Helton's offense, and Clay Helton does run a more pro-style offense, or at least he did while he was at USC with the JT Daniels and the Kadon Slovises, right? And Jackson Dart this past year a little bit. Uh, but I'm curious to see the way this works because when you look at what Brian Ellis has done, it's pretty startling compared to Georgia Southern. So I want to go back. I think the best way to put this is this. Georgia Southern's career passing leader, career, a guy who's considered one of the greatest players in the history of the program, started four years for Georgia Southern, Tracy Ham. Right? Comes on the show. Really good friend of our program. 5,757 yards over four years. The most he had in a single season was 1,772. Right? Right. Most in the history of your program. (laughs) You're going to hear this name a lot coming up over the next month or so, but Bailey Zappi. Yeah. He's a pro prospect now, but last year he played for Brian Ellis at Western Kentucky over in Conference USA. In one year, that's actually what I was about to, yeah. 5,967 <laughs> yards. 200 more than Tracy Ham had in his entire career. Insane. It's about to get exciting out of mm-hmm. Paulson, man. Yeah. but And didn't he, that's why I was just like, didn't he break the record? Yeah, he is the for, all-time single-season leading passer yeah. in college football history. And that's what you're about to have in Georgia Southern. No, like you said. Well, complete- I mean, you got to make sure you got a Bailey Zappi first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not quite, but I'm saying, like, obviously to, to break those kind of records, you have to have the uh, importance and the play calls focused on passing the football. Um, and and that's, like you said, the stark contrast between the two types of offenses that you're about to have is just a huge swing. It's a huge change, and I'm sure it'll, it'll take some time. But like you said, the first things that the first thing that – has to happen is everyone's got to buy in, yeah. including the fans, and recognize what what's going on and what's truly going to happen. And um, well, you know, here, here's just another be, way. Be here's ready way for it. it. Here's be another ready. way to put it: Georgia Southern's career receiving leader again, a guy who played four years, Monty Sharp, one thousand eight hundred fifty-four yards receiving over his career. That's a that's a good career. Uh, maybe Georgia Southern's best receiver ever, Ra Andrews. Uh, he had 873 yards, and he is Georgia Southern's single-season record holder for that. Uh, in his career, he had 1,538. Again, played four years for the Eagles. 
Right. Back, back in the early 2000s, right? If you have a solid quarterback-receiver combo, that might be yeah. broken in a, in a year and a half. So, Jared you know? Stearns like, for Western Kentucky last year, 1,902 yards. <laughs> yeah. Had 17 receiving touchdowns. 17. Yeah. And then their second leading receiver, Mitchell Tinsley, 1,402 yards. Where's he at now? Uh, probably about to be in the NFL. I don't know. Is he at Penn State? He's at Penn State. Oh, there you go. Anyway, sorry. It not always trying ties to, back to Penn State here <laughs> on this year program. Not, not trying to But I, I To me, it's exciting. Yeah? To me, that's exciting. I mean, it's you don't want lukewarm mm-hmm. in anything. It's it, To me, mediocrity and being in the middle is just death Yep. in any sport, right? And so Clay Helton takes a look and he says, do I want to come into Georgia Southern and do I want to kind of appease the fan base by you know, keeping some of this triple option attack in there and then slowly moving away from it? Nah. I want to get the guy who has the most prolific offenses we can find. And you know what's interesting? You know what I'm not hearing from Clay Helton? What's that? That I heard from another guy, and we're going to talk about that program here in a second. I'm not hearing it's going to take a couple years because we got to find our linemen, right? Our linemen weren't built the same way uh, that we want our linemen to look in the future, right? So it's going to take a little while. This is going to be a rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any of that from Clay Helton. Right. All Clay Helton has come in and said is this is a gold mine. He's like, I, I get to coach at Georgia Southern. I get to recruit South Georgia and, and Middle Georgia, and it's just I can get in my truck and do it. Right? Don't right. have to fly anywhere to recruit some of the best talent in the world. And with the transfer portal, with NIL and all this, like you can flip a roster in a year. Right? They got a six-year quarterback from Buffalo uh, that's probably going to be your starter uh, at least early in the season. Kyle Van Trace, uh, dude's 6'2", 220, pocket passer, played at Buffalo. Transfers over here, six year of eligibility just because of COVID and all that. And so I'm not hearing excuses. I'm hearing excitement. Yeah. And listen, is this roster going to win the Sun Belt? Probably not. Coastal Carolina is still damn good. Louisiana is really good. App State's great. And it's, 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 it's going to be a transition year. But I'm not hearing excuses. Right. You're, and, you're, I'm, and I'm yeah. not hearing. 9-1 to the end zone, baby. <laughs> right. You're, you're hearing things that actually, that's the thing, and you're hearing things that actually instill excitement and positivity and energy into the program and not, can, can we say, not fake, not fake good, not yeah. fake excitement, not not phrases and, and, you know, good PR moves and things like that. Like, no, no one needs that for one. And secondly, on the other side of things, you're not hearing the immediate, well, 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 guys, hold on. We're, we're going to be bad for a little bit, so just bear with us. When you start that, one, that, that gives your players a, an excuse, <laughs> honestly, to take longer in the transition process. Because what is your mentality, like as, as so, even with someone you're working with says, Ah, guys, sorry. It's like it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit. We're nah, it's so, gonna so we'll kind of ease into this thing. And, inside of because you and I both work out, and in, right. inside of the gym, there's it's a coaching phrase, right? Where it's don't I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Best way might just be an example. If someone's like lifting and you say, "Don't put down the bar," what did you just put into their head? Putting down the bar. Put down the yeah, bar. Yeah. <laughs> right. Instead of that, you say. Hold on to it. Keep going. Right. Make sure you're breathing. All kinds of stuff, right? And so a coach who comes in and immediately says, hey, just just 
hang with us. All right? right. Just don't, don't give up on us. It's like immediately you're putting in there, oh, God. Yeah. This is bad. Right. Versus a coach who's just like, this is awesome. This is great. I, I look at this. I see, I see the foundation, and I see all the pieces I need. You know what that does? That energizes a fan base. Exactly. That, that'll keep, even when you're struggling, even when you're a three-win team, that'll keep your fan base from allowing another team to come into your stadium and take it over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like happened with another school in this state. Yeah. Not too long ago. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited about the Clay Helton era uh, there at Georgia Southern. He's a dude uh, uh, from not too far away in Florida, right? And so so many people were just like, why is this California guy? Because he ain't a California guy. Right. He was out there for a little bit. That yeah. that, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't uh, he, completely change yeah, he everything. Is a, he's a Southern dude. He, he knows these these back roads, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm I'm excited about this Clay Helton era, man. I think it's going to be fun, and I think I guess the best way to put it is you're moving from one extreme to the other yeah. when it comes to the offense. It's not going to be you're going from something an offense where you can identify with and you loved and you were proud to say it to just another cookie cutter offense. You're going to something that's relatively unique, and it's going to be wide open, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You also, I mean, to be fair, you also signed the highest ranked recruit at running back that you've ever signed before. So you got that going for you. Yeah, but I, I think the, I don't know. I think the misconception with with some of these offenses, especially with the year that uh, that offensive coordinator and and you know that offense in Western Kentucky just had, is you never run the ball. Like yeah. it's never going to happen. Like no, that's that's not necessarily true. But is it going to be Georgia Southern running the football? Is it going to be option off and all this stuff? No, it's it's certainly not. Uh, so I'm sure they'll they'll still find some room in the offense for him to explode and have some big runs and and yeah. you know even you know possibly have some uh, great catches out of the backfield as well and some plays designed for that. And uh, quite frankly, if if you're a good coach, that's what you do, right? You you look at the personnel you have and you say, all right, how can I best utilize their potential? in this offense, and how do I best build my offense to utilize them? Um, so I, I think we'll see that. But no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that specifically, too, when you talk about the two differences in the offense and taking a swing. And if you're going to take the swing, just do it. Right, if if you're if you're gonna go, if you want to be a pass-focused offense or a a widespread-focused offense, don't kind of ease into it or try and incorporate this thing here and there and blah blah blah. Just do it, man. Just swing for the fences and let's see how it works yeah, go out. Go get the coach who had a guy almost throw for six thousand yards last year, right? Well, yeah, like, and I think that's the other positive sign in all of this is you also just got a needle in a haystack, like a a gem of an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm just put together one of the most impressive offensive seasons in college football history and is now at Georgia Southern. Like, that's got to excite some people. Well, I mean, that's, like, just if you don't... The, that's just kind of the leverage that a Clay Helton gives you. Yeah. People kind of want to work with a guy like that. Just a good football coach. And so I think a lot of reasons to be excited for Georgia Southern. Uh, one player not going to be with the team, though. Uh, this was confirmed by Clay Helton. Justin Tomlin is not on the roster. Quarterback there uh, at Georgia Southern. He is still enrolled at the university. Uh, finishing up his degree, uh, but not a member of the Georgia Southern football team as of right now, but a guy who had some pretty impactful games there uh, for Georgia Southern, especially taking over for Shy Wirtz uh, when Shy Wirtz was dealing with that whole legal situation up in South Carolina. So uh, a guy, I think, a fan favorite there, Justin Tomlin, not going to be a part of the team, but a ton of quarterbacks there uh, for Georgia Southern. But as we said, probably we had a guess right now, Kyle Van Trace, the six-year senior, uh, from Buffalo, 
the guy to watch out for. But you do have the freshman to be excited about, David Dallas. He's a little bit banged up right now. Just a whole lot of uh, Zach Roseman, big-time quarterback out of Walton up north of Atlanta there, is a guy to be excited about as well. So some really talented quarterbacks, really good running backs. Going to have to kind of see what they decide to do with this offensive line. I would expect a ton of shuffling up front just because, again, two very different styles of offense. But while we're here and while we're talking about excitement, you want to kind of flip it over to oh. the other side of like not being excited? Okay, well, uh, we can try that, yeah. What is the slogan? <laughs> what's the uh, what's the galvanizing phrase that we're going to hear from Georgia Tech this year? Oh, uh, man, I, I don't know. Uh, like how just, excited do you think uh, Jeff Collins more is that he doesn't have to play Georgia at Bobby Dodd this year? <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Do you think he that, makes it to that? It's it's hilarious that that's a phrase of excitement. But uh, no, I I I don't think he should. I quite frankly, yeah, I don't don't really think he should make it to the first game of the season. But here we are, and nothing's happened yet, so. That's going to happen. Oh, yeah, he's going to be the coach. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's it's all about the mindset, uh, I feel like, of of the athletic directors, right, and, and the leadership there. Do you want to make a change midseason? Um, and if they well, haven't made a change brother, here's yet. Your schedule. Here's your schedule. Clemson at Mercedes-Benz, Western Carolina at home, Ole Miss at home, at UCF, at Pitt, Duke, Virginia, at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, Miami, at North Carolina, at Georgia. Two and ten? I, I see maybe one guaranteed win there in Western in Western Carolina ain't bad. Right. Catamounts ain't bad. Yeah. Two and ten, three and nine. Uh three and nine, you're building a statue. <laughs> yeah, right. So Hey, if it, you can say one thing, that'd be consistent. Yeah, at the very nine. least. Yeah. You know, fight fight your way to three and nine, some upset victories and whatnot. Um Yeah, no, I I think if I had to put money on it. He'll be there at the end of the year, and we'll all be disgruntled and wonder why. But well, okay, so it's, it's me, one of those things like me, the day after, it's over. To me as an athletic director, it's not on the field. Like when you lose on the field that you have to make the decisions about a head coach, I think it's inside the fan base. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why Georgia maybe ended up pulling the trigger there uh, on Mark Richt, right. which maybe had a little bit to do with the fact that South Carolina and some other schools were coming after Kirby Smart pretty hard. And they, that was kind of always the succession plan is they wanted to go get him. But at the same time, more so than the fan base being angry, because you can deal with an angry fan base. Of course. Right? That that means the fan base is engaged. Look at just what happened with Auburn. Right? Yeah. That means the fan base is engaged. What you cannot deal with as an athletic director is a lethargic or an apathetic fan base. A fan yep. base that's not engaged, that's just kind of given up. Right? And I think that's kind of where it got to. I don't want to say Georgia gave up on Mark Rick, but eventually got to the point where it's like, I guess we're just we're a nine ten win team, and that's just kind of the peak of what it is. Yeah, right. We'll have a one eleven win here every now and then, but it's just it's nine ten wins, and that's just, it is what it is, right? That's it, it's the fan base started kind of accepting that. Then you have that rough year at the end, and you you make the move, right? I I don't know how as an athletic director you bring a guy back after your entire stadium is filled up with the other team's fans. Right. Because what that tells me is your fan base doesn't care. Yeah. No. One of the most dangerous things in, in life in any walk is yeah. indifference. Yeah. Right. And and you talk to a lot you talk to a lot of Georgia Tech fans even around here and it's just indifferent. Man. Well the, com- the common it thing is I've heard from Georgia Tech fans is why would I pay tickets when I know we're gonna get beat fifty two to three? I'm like, right. that's fair. 
That's fair. How many times has Auburn played Alabama knowing that they're a 4-5 loss team already uh, this past year? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, no, Ex- example number no, one. No, yeah. thousand percent. This past year, Auburn was 6-5 and five coming into that football game. Backup quarterback. Correct. Yeah. Who was injured. Yeah. <laughs> Backup quarterback who's injured right. against the best quarterback in college football, front runner to win the Heisman Trophy, uh, two of the best receivers in football, great defense, and, you know, damn Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Right, first year head coach from Brian Harson. You're on a bad losing streak. You had to hang on to beat Georgia State earlier in the season at home. No reason in hell Auburn should even be in that game. Right, everything pointed towards forty-two to ten at home at Jordan Hare, just getting boat raced, and it has happened a lot before. Right, what do what do Auburn fans do? Fill they pack the that sucker yeah. out to the gills. You it, know why? Because yeah. it's Auburn, Alabama. It looked like it was the game of the century. It's because it's Auburn, Alabama. And what happens, that kind of galvanizes your team. doesn't matter what your record is. It's, this is Auburn, Alabama. This is the damn Iron Bowl. I'm going out there. I'm going to hit that sucker with the crimson helmet on as hard as I can. Right? Now, imagine you're a Georgia Tech player. And you're playing the number one team in the country. Because Georgia was the number one team in the country. Hadn't lost to Alabama yet going into that football game. You're bad. You're, you've got a bad team right now. And then you run out there and you're in Sanford Stadium. You thought you were at home. You sure you got dressed. Uh, you got in the morning. You went in the locker room. You ate. You get dressed in your own home locker room, and then you run out there. And all of a sudden, you're teleported into Sanford Stadium. That, I mean, if, that immediately any energy you have is gone. Yeah. And if nothing else, what what you maybe expect, which is sad to expect, is uh maybe maybe the stadium is going to be like half full. Maybe it's going to be kind of yeah. empty if our Whole fans don't care. Desk. Nope. It's like you said. It's Sanford Stadium. Yeah. Like, I mean, how many times has Penn State struggled through a season, but then Michigan's coming to town? Right. And I, I guarantee you that's 100,000 in white. No, absolutely. And, and even if there's, like you said, even if there's a section missing here and there or whatever, it's it's not full of Michigan fans. Right. Um, <laughs> And, again, like, even if even if the fans are angry, even if the, you're running off at halftime and you're getting blown out and they're booing the coach, at least they're showing emotion. Well, and, it's just, and at it, least they're there. And that's why the gimmicks all, from the jump scared me with Jeff Collins, the 404, the culture, all the Waffle House stuff. Like, it's if you're Georgia Tech, you don't need gimmicks. You know why? You, you're Georgia Tech. Yep. Before last year, you had a more recent national championship than Georgia. Mm-hmm. Paul Johnson, say what you will about him, but you were winning Orange Bowls and ACC championships and – more so than that, you are the school in downtown Atlanta. You want to talk about pageantry, tradition, yeah. all the great things about college football? You it's play, th- it's you there. You play in Bobby Dodd Stadium. It's there. Yeah. You play in Bobby Dodd Stadium in the heart of downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest college football stadiums anywhere. But moreover than that, you're in Atlanta, one of the football hotbeds for high school. No. You can just go out and touch 50 players and say, you guys come here, and you'd have one of the best teams in the country. Right. Right? But the College you, Football you, Hall of Fame's there for a reason. You don't need like, You know yeah. what you need? Is you need someone who puts out a vision. Right. Like, I think that's why Georgia Southern fans are so excited about Clay Helton, is that he puts out a vision of, of what it wants, not just, we're going to come in here, we're wearing tank tops with hoodie. I'm sorry, I know you love to do that. But it's, well, they're just really comfortable. But yeah, but it's just we're wearing, we're wearing <laughs> yeah. hoodie tank tops, and we're yelling for for the culture, and I'm drinking Waffle House glasses. It's like, no, man, I, just... Show us what your your, your ten step plan is. I need your three year, five year, ten year plan. Let's yeah. see that. Right, right. I I don't need. I don't care. And I understand it's all for recruiting. I, I can't remember the last time Alabama put out a hashtag whatever their zip code is for the culture. Yeah, no. Right. 
Like it doesn't matter. Like it's you, you go to the school and you get recruited by the coach and they lay out that vision. And what most players want to hear, especially at this level, is what are you going to do to maximize my talent and get me to where I want to go? Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. Right. That's all you got to do. Can you think of a better area? I know we're over. Can you think of a better area in the country to get an NIL deal in? Oh, goodness. Uh, I mean, there's not, Georgia, there's not a lot of them, no. No, Georgia has become Hollywood East because yeah. of the tax breaks that you get in the state of Georgia to film here. It's become Hollywood East, right? The Avengers. You know that scene where Tony Stark or Stark Industries, that building that's in the middle of whatever, is in New York in the movies? Like yeah. that, that building, that's like the Porsche plant that's down in like Southside Atlanta. They just kind of CGI that bad boy up there. <laughs> right. Right. But it's just like there's they're filming everything here. I can't think of a better city to get NIL in except maybe Los Angeles and New York. Right. And they ain't really playing overly competitive football in New York no. at the moment. So it's it kills me to see Georgia Tech flounder like it has because I just think that is just such a I don't want to say sleeping giant because it's such an overused term, but they could it's one of those teams where college football is better when they're good. Yeah. And I think if you ask any Georgia fan, because Georgia fans love beating the hell out of, of Georgia Tech, like, like no questions asked. But I think if you ask any Georgia fan, like you don't remember those games. You remember the games where Matt Stafford's having to lead a game winning drive at the end. Of course. Right? You miss the games that are ultra competitive. So I, I just think college football's better when Georgia Tech's good. We gotta take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on second down. We have a new post-Matt Ryan trade mock draft to get to, PJ. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, my. Oh, yes. You knew it was coming. Yeah. All those guys are looking for new post-something mock drafts to put out. Which quarterback's Atlanta taking at eight? Well, here's the thing. Atlanta got a quarterback yesterday. <laughs> That's that. You're right. Okay. All right. Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Is coming to Atlanta. And so, according to one Mel Kuyper Jr., not Mel Kuyper Sr. I don't know what he does. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. According to Mel Kuyper Jr., Falcons going that skill position route, taking Garrett Wilson at number eight overall. Okay. So the least productive out of all the Ohio State wide receivers, but but maybe the one with the best measurables. Because, I mean, out of Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson was the third most productive, no? This year, yeah. I mean, this year. Who, who, you're a Big Ten guy. Who would you say was the best receiver out of the three? I think of them? best all around, uh, most skilled is is Alave. Um, I was less high on uh, Smith and Jigba until I guess like, the, the, like Rose Bowl when, the Rose yeah, Bowl when yeah when the Rose Bowl when yeah. he went insane and didn't have those two at his side. But he did have um, Marvin Harrison the third. Yeah, true. But for for several years though, I mean, this has been. Like I remember Garrett Wilson coming out, like his his first touchdown ever caught was completely insane. I was yeah. like, that kid's a true freshman. Are you kidding me? So, uh, I I think he's he's a guy that can go out and make insane catches. Um, skill skill guy when you talk about um going up and getting it. Uh, so I think best all around tool is probably Alave. Best big play guys is probably Garrett Wilson and Smith and Jigba is. He'll, just, he'll go insane next year. I struggle with but, wide receiver. Unless you feel like there is a Jamar Chase, which right. I don't know that there is this year. Yeah, like, Some people are trying to push for Drake London. I don't see it. Uh, oh, but that's that's not yeah. – you You asked me what I thought about those specific yeah, yeah, wide no, receivers. No, 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 just trying to get to a point. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I feel like it's not an overly elite receiver draft class. Right. I feel like it's super deep, though. 
to the point where the Falcons have two second round picks. I still think you go best available mm-hmm. at eight, whether it's a lineman, whether it's a DB, because there's a ton of really elite corners in this class. If you get lucky and a Kyle Hamilton falls to you, right, or one of the three edge rushers, uh, Ed, edge rushers, I said edge walkers, edge rushers, Trevon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, one of those guys falls to you. Obviously, I think you got to go there. But once you get to that second round, You'll have, I, I think you'll probably still have a Jamison Williams, John Mechie, George Pickens <laughs> yeah. style guy that's there that they everybody's just kind of hesitant about because of the knee injuries. Right. Right. But it's my thing is if you thought Jamison Williams was a better receiver than any of the Ohio State receivers before the national championship, does that knee injury put you off of him so much that you would take one of those other guys over him and spend the traffic on him? Or do you just go with a different person and then maybe you can pick him up later? than right. what you would have been able to get him. Because I think if Jameson Williams healthy, he's a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. Easily. And so and I think we saw that. So is somebody going to steal him later in the first round or early in the second round because everybody's too scared to draft him because of a knee? And let's not like act like things have not progressed. Like I I agree when you see those knee injuries start, can it be hesitant? Can be you start to back off a little bit? Sure. But also like Let's look at the past 10, 15 years of development with knee injuries and with the surgeries and the recovery time and things like that. I know it's relative and everybody's different, but at the same time, things have progressed, I feel like, in that nature and in that realm, and you see guys starting to recover from that and not having those issues again. Uh, Now, of course, everyone can bring, well, Odell Beckham Jr., look at what happened in the the Super Bowl. Sure, there's going to be outliers of guys that just can't get past it, but I think if you look at just the past 15, 20 years of development we've had in knee injuries and how people recover from them, I think we're seeing progress yeah. in that. So I wouldn't completely uh, t- turn away from them. But that being said, I completely agree with you. I don't think you go wide receiver at eight. I've, I've never really liked that. I don't think you go quarterback at eight. There's, there's a reason this draft is so... I think obscure in the sense of there's so many guys in certain positions in the big dude positions that are incredible. You go with one of them, maybe a second member of the secondary. You, you start there and build out. Yeah. Not, not what I would consider a reach and, and go skill position uh, there at eight. Again, Mel Kuyper has the Falcons going with Garrett Wilson, uh, Ben Anderson, Right in saying London is Mike Evans 2.0. That always scares me. When you start saying a guy yeah. is like, oh, he's like he's like another version of this guy. Like, ah, eh. Because well, because body type yeah. wise, he might be. Sure. But, that, but I Mike mean, Evans is a mutant. Yeah, and potential potential yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Right. Mike so Mike Evans like, is a mutant. You can't base. I don't think you can yeah. draft based off comparisons. I kind of look at his productions. He looks kind of like a slower, big framed wide receiver. I don't know if that's where the Atlanta Falcons are going for. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more right here on second down. Anyway. PJ. Keep it going. Keep well, it rolling. No, this just brought a question in my mind. Okay. What are like the greatest NASCAR video game tracks of all time? Oh, it's a Sweet Home Alabama's number one. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know what my pick is. Yeah, and I always I always forget the name of it. Flirting with Disaster, baby. There you go, yeah. Well, Molly Hatchet. Molly Hatchet. I knew it was Molly but, Hatchet. But I mean, Joe Walsh, Rocky Mountain Way. I feel like Rocky Mountain Way has to be up there. Incredible. Like, you're just shifting in the fourth, passing somebody. You're drifting. Just rolling. Yeah. Who did you always? Who did you drive with back in, like, really 1998? Solid. Well, 1998 is Dale Earnhardt all day. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, complete, total. I know it might be boring for some people. No, Richard Petty? Complete, total Dale Earnhardt stand right okay, here. So if, like, you were, if you were doing that, then like, who is your brother using? That doesn't matter. Wow. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, we also, like, we'd create cars and stuff. But, like, I don't want to tell you who Mar- Mario and Tony, not big NASCAR fans when we were little. Tony yeah. likes NASCAR now, but. Yeah. Anyway. I was a big Jeff Gordon guy. We got a problem. We got a problem now. Big, big Jeff Gordon. I like, yeah. I like the car. I like the paint with the, the DuPont and the flames going down there. I thought it was cool. It was all right. Speaking of cool, three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio.